Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Job Logs, a podcast that features candid conversations with young professionals about work, life, and everything in between. Welcome back to another glorious Monday. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Job Log. <laughs> I'm Joy Marie. I'm Courtney. And we're about to conquer this week, y'all. Yes. We are so excited. We are in it to win it with candid career conversations, mm-hmm. work life, all the stuff in between. Your group check, girlfriends. We're here. We're on your team. We're doing it. And this week, we're talk inspired by one of my new faves <laughs> I shared last week, The Path. The past. This one's not as crazy as the show. This okay. is like your actual life. <laughs> Although sometimes for some of us it might be. But, you know, there's twists, there's turns of how we all kind of reach our goals, our mm. passions. And we're kind of just celebrating the unique uncertainty that the comes journey. to Yes, honey. The journey. The journey. I love it. I love it. So stay tuned for that. But we always start our episodes with a little check-in. We call mm-hmm. it our clock in. Yeah. we just see how we're both doing personally and professionally. It's so important to do with your friends. So we recommend you do it as well. But Courtney, what's going on? Um, it's summer. So I am just doing all the things that I didn't have time to do. Yes. And one of the, I'm reading children. Reading. Not the drag books. race kind, <laughs> the book kind. Novels. <laughs> yes. Books. So I love my it. goal was when school was over, I was said I want to read three books this summer. Okay. And I am on track and I'm so excited because nice. reading is hard. What are you reading? I'm reading the one I finished in June was Daughters of the Dust okay. by Julie Dash. I was Daughters of the Dust. Yeah, by Julie Dash. I was drawn to this because um, she's known as like the mother of black women independent mm. filmmakers. And I wanted to see the film. Daughters of the Dust was like the first was independent film. Was that what Beyonce's, one of her videos was inspired by? A I lot of Lemonade that. has kind of that oh, vibe. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, I love it. Yeah, I wanted to see the film because it was like the first independent black film in theaters. Oh, really? It's really hard to find, though. She wrote mm. a book about it. I read the book. Mm, okay. It's really great if you're interested in like oral history and like okay. southern culture. Mm. Um, really great read. I'm going to add that to my list. Thank um, you. Then, if you're really like nerdy academic stuff, I just finished <laughs> We Are No More. Um, that's by Abby Smith Rumsey. It's great if you work in the digital space. Okay. And it's talking about like digital memory. So, we mm. have all this information that we're accumulating. And it's like, what do you do with that? Like, how, mm. what is society now that we just have at the press of the finger, you can know yeah, anything? Yeah. And the big takeaways um, that I love from this book is that one, we've been through this before. Like, people used to be very overwhelmed by books. Like, yeah, people were like, "Oh my God, there's so many yeah. books." So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of so this we text. got right. We, like, we got through that, and I love this idea <laughs> of protecting collective and mm. personal memories. That mm. goes into curation. Yeah, and it's like we have all this content. We don't really own it, so mm. like you know, publications can delete. Do. Yeah, yeah, they can delete it at any That's time. So it's about saving these yeah. articles and videos because that really determines. Like, what future generations view So, are that. you doing that? I remember we were talking about a movie, and you said you, or a clip or something, you said you downloaded it locally to your system. Do you I try do. to get in the habit of, like, saving things that you really if enjoy? I, if I have, like, a hunch that it's going to disappear, I mm. will download it and okay. save it for myself. Okay. that's I love that. That's yeah. good. Because I've been tinkering about on the internet since I was, like, 12. Mm-hmm. And I think about literally the file storage platforms I used to use mm-hmm. have all evolved and changed. Like, yeah. I can't remember the names. There's like Boom Speed, and they've all gone away. So all of those files and pictures have gone away too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that I really loved about it, um, she talks about how this is an opportunity now that we're outsourcing basically our memory mm. and searching and retrieving information. The big thing in skills to develop to compete with computers mm. um, that they can't take on is emotional and imaginative 
power. So mm-hmm. your emotional sensibility, creativity, imagination, those are the, mm-hmm. really the things that are going to be important for us yeah. to develop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. So I have a couple more things on my list. I want to get back into fiction, so I might try the mothers. That's my fave. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. I want to try the mothers. I heard it's a nice juicy read. Mm, okay. So we'll <laughs> see, honey. I'm, catch me on the beach with yes, my novel. A good book. I love oh, it. Oh, pro tip if you want to get more reading done. If you didn't know, your public library will allow you to download ebooks. So you don't have to, like, go out to the library. You download the app. You request it. And you can download it right then and there. For free. For free, children. Wow. Public service. Oh, this is a game changer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if it's, like, on the bestseller list, it'll probably be a wait for it. But Mm. if it's, like, some older novels that you want to check out. Or, I mean, you can get on the wait list for some of the newer ones. Nice. Yeah. Because, you know, things are expensive. That's amazing. That's a great tip. I love that. What about you, darling? Well, it is summertime. It is anniversary season in my <laughs> my life. We are celebrating births. We're celebrating uh. marriages and unions. My whole network kind of celebrates mm-hmm. a lot in the fall <laughs> um, as we end the summer and get into the fall. But it's been making me think about the importance of kind of being present for people mm-hmm. in their life moments and, like, the life moments that they determine are important to them. So I think a lot of times it's easy for us to be like, girl, like, <laughs> this is the third child. I ain't. <laughs> you know what Real. I mean? Like, I ain't come, I ain't buying no more presents for Real. you. Pass it but, down. Yeah, yeah, but for for certain people, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be births. It's going to be mm-hmm. marriages. It's going to be uh, professional milestones. And they get to determine that. But yeah. it's important as a friend and a supporter and sometimes even as a colleague to just show up and celebrate with people. Yeah. I feel like people really remember the moments and the people that they had around them years later um, as they celebrate these things. So just thinking about that, recognizing the importance of celebrating success. success. And then also, secondly, if you do, on the flip side, um, decide to take a role. So an easy example for me would be like a wedding party. Mm -hmm. So if you decide to be a bridesmaid or a groomsman or best man or best woman or whatever you want to call it... um, like do your diligent <laughs> like do your duty <laughs> do your Report duty honor duty. your commitment yeah like i just you know without getting into it i <laughs> without just it's been, without you know if you accept the responsibility do the duty it's yeah. just so many people find it so easy to like back out or complain about how expensive things are getting. Mm -hmm. You know, also recognize you could say no to a lot of those things. Like, if you really don't have the resources or the budget or the time, probably more importantly, it's okay to say no or to say, I'm going to celebrate with you in a different capacity. But if you do accept that responsibility, then make sure to do it. And do it with a smile on your face, because there's nothing worse than, like, a grumpy maid of honor (laughs) 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 complaining every two seconds. So. You know, those moments are meaningful. They make such lasting impressions. Just I've been thinking about just making sure to just be present and be excited. Yeah, because I think especially we get caught up with, you know, oh, I just hit the like button and we've celebrated together. Or like (laughs) those BS Facebook birthday messages. Like there's no effort. Like we need to cultivate some like in-person gathering fellowship Yes, yes. Celebrate success the right way. DJ Khaled voice. Hey, y'all. So it's time for Rants, Raves, and Reviews. This is a segment of the show where we each share a rant, a rave, or a review for like a product, service, tool, experience that's either enhancing Enhancing. or, you know, kind of destroying our professional (laughs) lives. So, Courtney, um, we're thinking about things in this whole theme of like finding your passion, Mm -hmm. the path, you know, the journey. Yes. What uh, what are you doing today? Um, I'm raving about something that I was doing so well on for a good stretch of time, and then I forgot to keep doing it, and okay. I just realized that I have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to get back on the horse with it. What is it? And that is affirmations, mm. starting your day with some positive affirmations. Okay. Um, And I I recall this because I was reading, like, sometimes I read, like, old journaling stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
I was in the passage I was talking about like self-talk, mm. which is basically how you talk to yourself. Mm. And sometimes you can, without realizing it, just be really negative with yourself mm. and just like kind of have a defeatist attitude mm. and talk things down before they even get started. Mm, like, oh girl, why'd you do that? Yeah. Mm. And so you're kind of like that negative Nancy friend, mm. but in, in your, your head. head. <laughs> to yourself. Yes. So affirmation is kind of like brainwashing yourself to think differently huh. and basically it's just declarative statements that you make okay. and it's kind of you know like so goes like the tongue goes the mind like you mm. kind of go with action and speak this and okay. then your brain follows suit okay so my tips for effective affirmations darling <laughs> um one kind of think about areas you want to improve in so mm. if i know for me i usually kind of overanalyze myself and i nitpick about things mm. i want to change right now mm. so one of my affirmations might be like i honor who i am and just mm. like kind of boost like changing the way you think let me ask does this work because I find that it does work okay. because this is how why it works, at least for me. Okay. Because I know when I get up, a lot of times I can get up with kind of like a sense of dread. Like, mm, okay, the day. For the day. The day is starting. And then saying like all this positive stuff, mm. it kind of takes me out of that autopilot. Do you... I struggle when I see other people reading like affirmation cards and stuff like that. Mm. I'm just like, mm, but I, I, let me be honest, it's kind of like cheesy to me. When mm. you say them, do you believe it? Like, are you really taking it in and believing the words that are coming out of your mouth, or do you get caught in like just the reading of it and kind of? Some days it's kind of just the routine, and okay. some days I'm like, yes, honey, yes, I'm <laughs> reading this today. Okay, and I think it's just. It's kind of like a subconscious thing. Like, it can seem cheesy, but it's mm. the same way as, like, kind of, like, the music you listen to. That's true. Like, that vibe That's can true. kind of get in your spirit. So it's just That's kind true. of, like, planting this mm. idea. Okay. Just okay. the fact that maybe you wouldn't be exposed to the fact that something really positive about yourself. Right. Just normally if going you hadn't through the day. Of, right. But you're purposely putting that in your mm. spirit. Okay. Okay. I support so, it. Yeah. I also try and get really Kanye West with my affirmations. <laughs> just really self-affirming. I am like, the greatest woman yeah, that I ever am stepped foot. <laughs> yeah, it's really these croissants. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not Kanye. <laughs> and just make it very personal. Yeah, like, yeah. make it in your voice. Yeah, Talk that's about true. goals you want to accomplish. And talk about them like they're already done. Don't okay. say I want to do this. Like mm, say like this I is will. done. Mm, like okay. it's a wrap. So okay, okay. start your day. Like set your tone how you want it. Don't let the world set your tone. All you right. set the tone. Come All on, right. I'm about yes, to preach. Girl. Yes, I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so I'm gonna take it down a couple notches <laughs> with my rave Mama slash will be review. So proud of that sermon. But yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I am raving slash reviewing, and I'm talking about Glassdoor, which is a oh, job listing yes. slash company profile salary sort of hub of information. It's Glassdoor.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and they host everything from, again, job listings to profiles about various companies to yeah. actual salaries against roles. Um, and, and recaps of interviews, people will go there and rate their interview experience mm-hmm. anonymously, anonymously. So it's a really great hub of information. But as we think about kind of the path, I'm really raving about Glassdoor in the capacity of visualizing the kind of culture I wanted to work in and the kind of places I saw myself in in life and in my career. Mm-hmm. And then having Glassdoor as kind of like a resource to kind of do some digging and okay. some some research. So one of the most useful tools for me when I was um, doing my big kind of job hunt two and a half years ago was the company review feature of Glassdoor. So I could like go on there and search like Deloitte in New York City, just making that up. Um, And I could see what people, real people, real employees thought about the culture, how they rated the leadership philosophy, the growth mobility and opportunities to advance, Mm -hmm. you know, a whole bunch of different criteria. And obviously, the larger the company, the more reviews you have available to browse through. But I would read them and I would take that information, of course, coupled with my own research, my informational interviews, and then obviously like also a grain of salt at like... Maybe this person doesn't work here anymore. Think about so it like bitter. a Yelp review. Yes. Like you can tell if a Yelp user is just like a angry, net, right? Yes. <laughs> walked in the establishment. So take it that way. Exactly. So you take it with a grain of salt, but it all helps to build into the pot of this like profile you're building around a company. 
Um, and then another tool that I really loved and used quite often was the salary tool. So I could look up at my exact job title or function at a specific company, or I could do research and look at that job title across a number of different companies and different mm-hmm. industries. I could see what people were making, the range, and then I could come up with my own competitive number, you know, add a little bit to it. Um, but at least I knew I wasn't far off or just completely creating something made up. And both for me at the time, it was both salary and culture mm-hmm. that were kind of shaping and building where I saw myself and, and kind of like what I wanted the next chapter of my career to look like. Yeah. So I love Glassdoor as a tool for that. If you guys have used it, definitely let me know how you use it. But yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, I love it as well. Diving a little bit deeper into this idea of your path, I want to share... Hi, Sydney. She's mad because I always <laughs> use her stuff for job loss content. Oh, you <laughs> your whole life is eligible for content in my life. But, Basically. Uh, everyone, you're warned. <laughs> but she recently posted um, this Facebook post of like pictures when she was really young. I'm going to say, like, in grade school. Okay. And she had all the, like, pamphlets and brochures to be like over education for a dance program. Hmm. And she is now like the director oh, wow. of education at a dance company. Look at that. And I was thinking to and I told her at work, I was like, I'm so jealous of people who just know, mm. like are born and they just know what they want to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, did were you one of those people who just knew what you wanted to do? No. So yes, as in At different stages of my life, I wanted to be different things. Mm -hmm. And I knew it in those moments, but it always changed. So what I've ended up doing doesn't really look like or isn't reflective of what I thought I'd be doing. So when I was a kid, I was always creative. I was drawing, like my dad said, on on the Minnesota. I just loved art and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought I wanted to be like an artist for a while. And then um, this was like when I was really young. I didn't even know what an artist Mm -hmm. was or what they really did. And then when I got older, I I think I was just trying to sound really smart. <laughs> so I would say I wanted to be a, a neurosurgeon. <laughs> the, the minute you find the vocabulary word that describes something that makes you sound fancy, you're like, I want to be a neurosurgeon. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Jean Marie. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, meanwhile, I the medical field is not for me because yeah. <laughs> I do not like school. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, like high school, getting into high school, the, the law thing stuck for a long time. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, my parents are like, you should do something with legal because you're just very research based, but also love to argue and write. (laughs) As I got older, I started designing websites for fun with Aaron, which we talked Mm -hmm. about um, in one of the very early episodes. And then I just discovered this whole like web design side of me and this ability to kind of program and write code. So I was like, oh, I want to be like a designer, but I don't want to do art because I want to get paid. Mm -hmm. And I have like some of the tech background. Then I went to school and became a designer and worked as one, and I didn't like it. I realized mm. I liked it as a hobby, not yeah. as a profession. So now it's, you know, it's morphed. I did some things in advertising, but the answer is no. Like, I just kind of <laughs> dabbled in, in things and figured out—I feel like I've used, like, process of elimination to figure out what I yeah. don't like and then kept moving forward. Yeah, because she asked me, she was like, so how did you— find this job like how did you figure out what you want to do and I think it it was very much like kind of feeling my way through it Mm -hmm. and bumping into things and then realizing oh what I thought wasn't what it was yes in retrospect I look back and it was always I mean it makes sense when you look back on it Mm -hmm. because growing up I always wanted to do things that revolved around communication so like Mm. I wanted to be a news anchor Mm. and then I wanted to be a writer and I, uh, you know, got out there and then I tried, like you, I tried like freelance writing. Yes, hated hated it. it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was like, okay, how can I mix this and match it with something else? I always was really good at computers. Yes. The digital aspect of communications came in. So it's kind of like melding and merging and trying different things together and different combinations. And it's interesting because at certain stages in your life, you need to know the answer. Like for college, when you pick your degree, right? You need to know an answer. But know that it's okay for that answer to change and for you to kind of pursue one thing and then totally change it up and realize you don't like it and do yeah. something else. Yeah, because, I mean, as long as you're in the neighborhood. Yes. Like, it's, <laughs> like, so it's harder if you're, like, 
denying yourself like oh I'm a pre-med major and you really just want to be all the way over here yes, in this creative exactly, design field exactly so you kind of have to be kind of real with yourself right like, what are your strengths right what are these desires that I can't quite place and then just try to put yourself in the neighborhood right so you can find it right so so but to me, that's like where you get into figuring out the skills and competencies mm. that shape what you are good at and might want to think about pursuing professionally. So, you know, I think for me, that was a huge distinction coming out of college is like I no longer chase job titles mm. because titles are deceiving. I chase things that I know I'm drawn to and that I like. So okay. I've, you know, I don't anymore say I want to be like a marketer or I want to be, you know, an advertising or a graphic designer because what do those things even mean? Yeah. But I know that I love working with people. And when I say working with people, I need to connect with the end consumer of the work that I'm doing behind mm. a computer. So in my roles, I get to actually go to events and work with small business owners that are impacted by the programs I'm creating in the office. And to me, that's important, that connection to actually see my work kind of yeah. manifest, manifest. And then also, like, I know I need projects that change all the time. Me too. Yeah, I time. get bored very easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like learning things about yourself, seeing what you respond to. What kind of work. Exactly. Like. I know I'm organized. I know I communicate clearly and all of that. And those are great skills and competencies. But it's also like figuring out what you're drawn to and love to do Mm -hmm. um, and what kind of things give you fulfillment and passion. And a really great book that I read that kind of helped me to map all of those things out and make sense of it was What Color Is Your Parachute? I've heard great things about that. Yeah, they update it every year. Um, But it's the first half of it is it's it's called What Color Is Your Parachute? A Practical Manual for Job Hunters and Career Changers. Um, But there are a couple of chapters towards the back that really make you write out your preferences, your values, what Mm. things, what words describe feelings that make you happy. That's perfect because as you were talking, I was thinking about how like our commonalities is that you really kind of have to stop and do some Mm self-reflection. Like look at, analyze yourself. Yes. Don't just go forward and never look back. Like exactly. Take a a pause. Exactly. Because, you know, you might have, I might have said I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, but very soon with time, I realized I don't like science and I don't like like being in school and have like having these complex projects and learning equations. Mm. And like, I don't like that. None of that makes me happy and I'm not good at it. Yeah. So uh, if you don't ever stop to audit and be like, here's the word I said or here's what I vocalized that I want to do. But when I look at my behaviors and how mm-hmm. I feel, I don't actually like doing those yeah. things. And you'll never know to kind of reel it back in and try something else. Yeah. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So pivoting, like, okay, the path to get to here, Mm -hmm. when you're plotting the future, like, how strategic are you? Like, do you have a five-year plan? I don't. So I've talked about this. Because I was asked this. I was, like, just talking to someone and a little bit older than me in their field, and they were like, well, what's your five-year plan? I'm Mm -hmm. just like, (laughs) like, I hadn't, I don't, I hadn't, like, taken the time to, like, plot that out. yeah. Yeah, I don't have one, I'll be honest. Um, I know a lot of very successful people who do, Mm -hmm. and they work with mentors, and it's a good 
kind of pole to align their dialogue around because they can go into those discussions and say, well, I want to get here or I want to get here. Mm -hmm. My roommate, who actually happens to be a coworker of mine at the same company, told me something interesting. She told me that one of her colleagues is uh, currently in a manager position, Mm -hmm. but has expressed interest in becoming a director. And so when she has conversations with her supervisor, um, her VP, her conversations are all centered around that and getting from the manager point to the director point two years out. Two years out, right? Because that's a huge promotion. So they're talking about what projects do you need to be working on? What kind of, who do you need to be having conversations with? Who do I need to start introducing you to? Two years out. And that really resonated with me because, like, for me at that point, that's like, okay, yes, if I want to be a director at this company in X period of time, I do need to put that out into the universe and start creating action plans. But in my own life... I struggle with that. Like, if I was asked, what's your five-year plan, I could make up something that sounds intelligent. Right. But I don't know that in my heart I believe it because I kind of like having room to play as long as directionally I know when I put one foot in front of the other, I'm working on the type of work that's continuing to kind of build me up and push me in, like, a progressive direction. Yeah, I feel that. And I did did a five-year plan after... um, that silence kind of read me <laughs> during the conversation. <laughs> and I found that, like, I couldn't get that specific mm. as, like, in two years I want to be a director. But mm. I very much, it was just, like, how do I want my life to look like? Mm. Like, and the position, there's, like, wiggle room and what the position is, what the company is. Yes. But it's like, okay, this is, like, what I want to be doing with my time. Yes. This is kind of what I want my family life to look like. This is the location. Mm. This is, like, there was, like, some investment ideas that mm. I thought about on the back burner that I was like by then I really want to be able to Flush have an out. action point yeah. on this. So I think just having uh, knowing a general direction of where you want to go it doesn't have to be super specific mm. but just knowing like okay what am I working toward mm. helps a lot. I, I agree fully and I mean I haven't done done, <laughs> done it I can't tell a lot of y'all but um, you know when you were speaking Diane von Furstenberg says something DVS said something Mm -hmm. in her book The Woman I Wanted to Be she says I did not know what I wanted to do but I knew the type of woman I wanted to be and that's I like that's me that's how I Mm -hmm. feel is like I know what I want my life to look like and I know what kind of impact I want to have too on my community around me Um, something else you said too like about thinking about the whole life I think is so important Mm. because I think it's very easy to create plans around your career but it has to be a life plan Mm -hmm. Um, and to me that's why like job logs is so important and doing things outside of work because I don't rely on any one facet Mm -hmm. to give me the satisfaction it can't be like just the romantic life that builds up your whole life, you know, yeah. or just the career that builds up your whole life. You have to derive happiness from all of Pillars those things. Yeah. That make up the foundation. Exactly. And there you yes. go. Come on. <laughs> Imagery for you. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. I want to close it out, bringing it back past, future. We deal with it right now. Wait, can I pause though? Yeah. Because I feel like we're both really creative, mm-hmm. but I feel like I do have to acknowledge and recognize that if your field is like, medicine like we were talking about yeah. or law you do need a really solid plan yeah and i'm actually kind of jealous of those professions yeah. that it's like once you get into that path yeah um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of more regimented yeah. and so you or have you're in school for at least eight years right. or whatever so, so more than that yeah and i think those fields being in that that more strict regimented mm-hmm. feel it fosters that type of thinking too. yeah yeah for I sure I feel like sometimes a creative you gotta wrangle that's those hard. people in yeah. <laughs> like, we be all over the place yeah bless our all parents all over hearts. the place <laughs> But, yeah, as I was saying, like, dealing with right now, Mm -hmm. is there anxiety around kind of not knowing? Because I know you said, like, you don't plan that specifically Mm -hmm. when you're doing your goals for long term. Mm -hmm. But is there anxiety about, like, what's happening now? Because I know I have to really check myself and just kind of taking one day at a time a little Mm. bit and kind of embracing that there's going to be surprises, like, allowing room for surprises. Be like, okay, Mm. I don't know everything that's going to happen and, like, what I'm doing now is probably setting me su- myself up for something I can't yes. even see right now. Right. So trusting the process yes. is something I'm drilling into myself. Yes. No, I don't have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have anxiety. I am 
diligent and being prayerful about my future, mm. though, because I, I do believe in, like, divine favor and, like, yeah. certain opportunities that you could never plan or prep for coming yeah. into your life for a reason. And I believe in purpose in the work that I do. Yes. Um, I don't fear the future, but I do fear becoming complacent. Mm. So I do fear getting to a point where it's like, oh, I have a great job and I make a good amount of money and I'm comfortable in my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, especially in New York City, which mm-hmm. is just, like, to me, bachelor capital of the world you could just get so comfortable in this like roommate life you know and I don't know working really hard but coming home and failing in those other areas in terms Mm -hmm. of if a family is your priority or um, if other projects outside of work are a priority so to me I do fear complacency and so I am asking myself now like is this where I should be at this time should I be more open to opportunities in other cities maybe even abroad yeah. Things like that. Just making sure I'm always kind yeah. of getting getting uncomfortable, like not mm. ever being too comfortable in what I'm doing. Yeah. I think it's just this middle ground between being strategic and then just being able to release and go with the flow. Yeah. Because I know I love hearing people's career paths because rarely, and not even just like celebrity people, but if you talk to someone who's very senior in their career, a lot of times they were like, I did not plan on exactly and another well yeah uh, what about you i mean are you what? do you have anxiety about the future and i think i i just oh i think a lot mm. so sometimes i just want and i mean that's good in a sense because it keeps me um kind of on point in the mm. sense of my and not getting complacent about things but it's also like, you got to check that stuff at the door. Like, yeah. sometimes, like, you can think yourself into a tizzy. And yeah. but life is life. Like, <laughs> things are going to pop up yeah. that you didn't think about. Yeah. And being open enough that I can be outside of my head to recognize that something's an opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes you're, like, so busy that's over true. here. You don't even see. It's like, <laughs> right. hey, girl, Somebody keeps poking you, like, hey, I'm just trying to get in there with this trying opportunity. To, just trying to give you Over that. here. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, we're shaking it up a little bit, shaking the table uh, with game time. Game time. Yes, we're going to do a little job logs, Jeopardy. Is that true? Okay. A Jeopardy-esque situation. Right. <laughs> and, um, I love those posts on social media where they tell you, like, the weird paths to success that people take, like mm. the unlikely success stories. Oh, yeah. So I've compiled a few. Okay. And I'm going to share some unlikely paths to success Joy, you'll guess these once hopeless cases uh, who became pillars of wealth and prestige. Okay. So the first one. This pop culture icon grew up on a farm in Indiana. Hmm. He dropped out of school in the seventh grade. He served in the Army and spent his life working odd jobs selling everything from insurance to tires. Insurance. Okay. He did not become a professional chef until he was 40 years old. Hmm. And he sold his first restaurant location at a loss and was living off his monthly Social Security check until he sold the rights to his franchise in his early 60s. Uh, <laughs> you can give a hint. Uh, yes. Can um, I, do I have a lifeline? <laughs> I would say Southern. Southern um, chef, restaurateur. Chef might be giving him a lot. Okay. Restaurateur. Um, kind of a fast food Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> That's insane. My mind was not even going there. You know who I was thinking of? I was like, it can't be Marcus Samuelson. <laughs> That's or why I like said lower. Danny Meyer. <laughs> lower. Oh, wow. Colonel yes. Sanders. He was way broke until okay. like his 60s. Wow. Yeah. 60s. I love that because I think so often when we think about our paths, yes. you know, you want that gratification of like the next five years. And so mm-hmm. it takes It's 10. a long game. Sometimes. 20 years sometimes. All right. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. I'm feeling warmed up. Okay. I feel like I got the next one. Okay, this one. Okay, I think you'll get this one. Okay. <laughs> this media mogul wore overalls made from potato sacks. Wow. That earned her the nickname Sack Girl. Sack Girl? <laughs> oh, gosh. If that's not depressing enough, she had pet cockroaches. And a doll made out of dried corn on the cob. Girl, where I don't even know where we are. Okay. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> okay, fast forward. She overcame that adversity to become an honor student, but mm-hmm. things took a turn when she was fired from her first gig. Oprah. As a, yeah. Oprah. What's the rest of it? Um, she was fired from her first gig as a TV anchor. Oh. Ah. Yes. You want to know how I know? I, uh, I did a 40-page op- uh, paper <laughs> on Oprah in high school. Yes. yes. And I love that about her. Yeah. And I love that one of my favorite things about Oprah's story is that she bet on herself when she got the Oprah show. Like, mm. a lot of her money comes from is because she's want, she has, like, the syndication rights oh. to her show. And they were, like, they Which gave it to rare. her for nothing because wow. they were like, oh, girl, this show, this show. is not true. <laughs> little piece of trash, girl. You can have that. Right. Meanwhile, she like, all right. Right. Okay. I love that. Okay, cool. Let's cool. Let's That's stay in the good. media space. Okay. Now one of the most recognizable names in media, this powerhouse was rejected by three dozen major publishers. Her first foray in digital media was immediately greeted with dozens of negative reviews, hmm. criticizing the quality and potential of her website. Really? Mm-hmm. That's all I get? That's all I get. <laughs> A website. And liter- like it's on your Facebook feed every day. News. Think news. news. Think think pieces. Really? Melissa her name, Harris, Her name is a part of the site. Her name is a part of the site and she's news and people share it? Yeah. I am I cannot Give think up. right now. Yeah. Ariana Huffington. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How could I forget? Yeah, it's yes. like literally no one else has their name right. in their news site. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. Like Wait, she, yeah, go back. They Yeah, so rejected. she was Yeah, she had she wrote books and she was rejected by three dozen publishers. Wow. And when she started the Huffington Post, like of course you know old media, they were like nobody mm. saw it for the site. Okay. At all. I love this. Cool. Okay, one more. We'll do one more. Okay. This poor gentleman only sold one painting the entire time he was alive, Mm. which wouldn't be so bad if he hadn't spent his life painting over 900 works of art. Picasso? Now he's considered one of the greatest artists of all time. It's Picasso. Um, He has trouble hearing. Oh, Vincent Van Gogh. Yes. <laughs> I definitely went to his museum in Amsterdam, too. Yeah, I'm a mess. That's amazing. He sold one. One. In his lifetime. In his life. Y'all one. Is your, is your dedication so strong <laughs> that you are willing okay. to succeed past your are lifetime? You That's piece. insane. Yeah. That's insane. That's dedication. Wow. Okay. I love that. Game time. Yes. All right, Ask Job Logs. It's that time where we open the floor to you. Yes. Um, We love hearing your questions, so let us know if you have one. Submit it at joblogs.com slash askjoblogs. Mm -hmm. And we have one today from Anonymous. So they say, hello, what is the minimum amount of time you should stay at an internship out of consideration? I just started a summer internship about three weeks ago, and the work I'm doing is not what I expected it to be. I don't feel challenged, fulfilled, or like I'm learning anything I can apply to a future career or job. It's gotten to the point where I dread waking up every morning and I just want to quit. Am I obligated to stay the whole summer just so I'm not a jerk who leaves (laughs) a paid internship after getting trained Mm. for two weeks? Is this a situation in which I should make the most of it and suck it up? If I can quit, should I still give two weeks notice even if it's just an internship? Thank you and I really appreciate your opinion. If you do quit, you should give two weeks. Girl, yes. But this is hard because um, I've had one of those parents who was very adamant about, like, if you start something, you finish it. Yes. Especially I agree with your parents. Yeah. So it's like my, it's like you took the internship. It ends at a point. Finish the internship. A finite point. And you're three weeks in. That's also what struck (laughs) me. You didn't hear that. I missed that. There was training for two weeks and you're three weeks in. So, yeah, stick it out. It's an internship. Also... If you're dreading waking up and feeling like you're not learning anything, change your perspective because Mm. the great thing about internships is learning what you also don't like. So use it as an opportunity to take note of the things that are just not sitting well with you. Like, this isn't challenging enough. I'm not working with people. Start to really maybe journal or document what those things are that aren't really sitting right with you about the experience and use that as fuel when you apply to another internship or job. I love that. 
And that girl is paid, so <laughs> oh, is get, it paid? It's paid. Like get yeah. that money. Like so, are you gonna go, like, go and a last minute job would yeah. be like at Best Buy? No shade to Best Buy, <laughs> but like at least here you can like Joyce yeah. said, like explore and learn something from your career. Yeah, that is the whole point of internships. It so is. just take it for what it's worth. Um, don't don't quit, especially if it's just a finite ten weeks or something mm-hmm. close to that. Stick it out. Yeah, because I mean, at the very least, like you have something to present on your resume that makes you more attractive for the next opportunity. Let me tell you, if you quit an internship prematurely, it will not bode well for your professional reputation. Especially if it's in, like, the same industry. People know each Mm -hmm. other. Yeah. Don't do it. Stick it out. (laughs) All right. All right. Next up, we have... Vanicia. Oh, Vanicia. She uh, photographed our improv brunch. Oh, yes. oh my gosh. <laughs> I love you, girl. Uh, so she says, under what circumstances is it okay to settle for an opportunity you aren't necessarily passionate about? And since you lack passion for it, what other ways can you motivate yourself to push through it? Uh, she can learn a little bit from our last answer when we talk mm. about, like, drawing lessons. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. So um, I would say... I would say most of us as young professionals do have to accept opportunities we're not passionate about at Mm -hmm. one time or another. And that's because you need those as stepping stones to get to that other end game that the dream job or the the job that you would truly be passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I would say the context where it's okay is when it's teaching you skills you need to develop teaching you things you don't like even so that you can just cross those out as you move forward or like helping expand your network helping Mm -hmm. to put you in the right space or industry to get connected with other people um or just paying the bills i was gonna say (laughs) when she said under what circumstances it is the rent due yes because that's yes that is a very real circumstance so i mean i think there are so many scenarios where you would take a role you're not passionate about so i think if on the surface it looks unattractive just think about how can i leverage this and to reach another goal or something else. Yes. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's something in there. And they weigh yes. the pros and cons based on that. Yeah. And if you can do that, if you know that a, a opportunity you're working, you're not passionate about, but if you know that there's an end game or it's mm-hmm. helping you to get somewhere else, you could put a time frame on that. You yeah. can say, I'm going to stay in the space where that's, I'm working that's something. That's the fabulous for... thing about taking jobs. They're not forever. Yes. They're not. Yes. You can leave it anytime. Yes, and that hopefully can help you get through your days and kind of help knowing that you have an end game and goal you're working towards. So yeah. good luck, girl. Keep us posted. We've got one last question one here. Hi, Joy Marie and Courtney. I'm a young professional looking to change my career and finally do things I actually want to be doing. Podcasts have been one of my biggest interests for over five years now, and I finally found the courage to start my own podcast when I started listening to your podcast last Monday, starting with episode one, the time we made a podcast. It inspired (laughs) me to finally get on it and hopefully make it into a career. Now with the prologue out of the way, I was wondering how I should start the process of getting a professional podcast together. My podcast will be about the examination of rules, their origin, and whether they belong in present-day society. Interesting. Yeah, really. I want to ensure that when I publish it, it's professional, and I'm going to need the help of organizations such as Earwolf, NPR, BBC, etc., but it's all about getting started, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a Canadian currently living in London, UK. Thank you very much. Oh, awesome. Well, greetings and good day from across the pond. <laughs> I love our UK listeners. Yeah, I love that idea. And I love that you already said, like, I just want to get started. Even though yes. I know I want to, the long game, I want to bring in these partners. Mm-hmm. But get started. I know, like, we have friends who talk about wanting to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like, yeah, I want the professional studio. But you mm-hmm. know what? Right now, I just got a mic in this laptop. Exactly. Go get it. Do it. Get yeah. started. Don't let that stuff get in the way of you. I'm creating it. But I love also that you already have kind of an end game in mind, mm-hmm. the types of partnerships you want to work with. We can relate to that because we always knew we were creating a professional podcast and we knew we wanted to work with professional corporations and people. Mm-hmm. So um, for us, quality was always important. Yeah. Now, that's not to say you need to go to a studio like we do, but think about that audio quality because if people can't hear what you're saying, sometimes they tune out. So, yeah. you know, they're at-home solutions you can explore. Um, they're really affordable things definitely not an audio professional but if you do a little bit of digging online you can find some ways to make sure you have great sound quality Um, and then another thing we do is we take a lot of time and research even though like our 
content is really conversational and kind of fun, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of pre-work from who's the right guest for the dialogue to what are the segments. I think it's being strategic, like not just jumping on the microphone and talking. And it sounds like you're doing something very nuanced that requires research anyway. Yes. So I think it's, um, see who's in your network. Like, or do you have writers in your network? Yeah. Or someone with a news background? And kind of talk about, like, story structure and how you, like, what is an episode? How do you tell a story in the set amount of time that you have? Yeah, because the other piece is, like, think about who your audience is. Mm -hmm. Um, And this applies to anything, not just people thinking about podcasts. But, you know, who's your audience? audience and then what's the best way to get your message across to that audience yeah so, where are they yeah so even though it's like a highly researched nuanced kind of topic if you're talking to toddlers you're not going to deliver that the same way mm-hmm. you would if you were talking to like academic intellectuals and professors and things like that yeah so think about the delivery yeah and deliver not just of the message in the podcast but when you distribute it like think about the okay. outlets that you're going to reach out to think about maybe online and influencers that maybe you'll send an email of an introduction right. and say this is what I'm working on. Right. And that's a great way to build listeners in a community. Yeah, that's huge. And that's kind of where we are right now. It's like you can create great content, but how do you get it out there? Mm-hmm. So think also about your pro- it's probably going to be equal parts creation yeah. and marketing and pushing your episodes out. So good luck. You know, stay organized. Treat it like you would a job. Be methodical. Be process driven and structured but yeah. also leave room and flexibility to change and evolve as you figure things yeah. out and as shoot you go. for excellence in every aspect like from the thumbnail that goes mm. next to the podcast to like the episode summaries mm. like excellent yes read all yes all right ladies and gents the hiring manager's office is open. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we are giving out hiring and termination papers, hired and fired. Uh-huh. When we pick people out in that pop culture world who are really just doing the thing and some who are not quite up to par. Get them out. Get them out. So what's, what's happening, Joy? Are we hiring? Are we I firing? I am hiring. Yeah. I am in a, a great mood. It's summertime. Got some incremental budget. <laughs> so we are bringing people onto the team. I am hiring Ava DuVernay. My absolute fave. Yes, your I fave. I love her so much. Admittedly, I have not followed much of her career. I do not know much about her. I know she is iconic, and I know that she is very vocal about issues of diversity mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And she slayed our life at Essence Fest. Exactly. And <laughs> yes. so when I saw her at Essence Fest, um, it was a fireside chat with Melissa Harris Perry. Mm-hmm. And she was there really, I think, to talk about her upcoming project, Queen Sugar, which, which was filmed great. in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's going to be debut on own in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, but if, for those of you who are unfamiliar, she was the director behind Selma, the legendary film. Um, but she also does a lot of other work in film distribution through mm-hmm. um, a company she calls Array, which is really African-American film distribution with a focus on women as well. Yeah. So she, you know, she's made her mark. Many of you listening, I'm sure, are wildly familiar. But I have to say, from hearing her speak at Essence Fest, a Two things really stood out to me that tie really well back to mm-hmm. our whole idea of the path mm-hmm. um, and hearing about the journey that people go on to get to their success. So, one, her team, um, when she was talking about Queen Sugar, the upcoming project, it just struck me that she had the entire like cast there with her. Oh, yeah. Had them stand up, shouted out some of them by name, talked about just kind of the dynamic of working with all of them. And I thought about it because, you know, in a couple episodes ago, we had a dialogue with the Google group about relationships that matter. Mm-hmm. Too many of us don't share those people that really kind of propel us and drive mm-hmm. us to success and yeah. the team around us that helps us build what we're working on. And you, we can't succeed on our own. Like, you're more powerful with a bunch of different forces around you. So I loved that. And then, two, the thing that really stood out with me was that she was really candid about maintaining a full-time job mm. when she first made her foray into directing. Yeah. So to quote, she said, I saw people directing white men directing, and I said, I want to do that. Little by little, I didn't give up my day job for the dream I had. People say, I have a dream and I want it right now, but it's okay to do it little by little. The Mm. first film I made was check to check. The first five films I made, I still had my day job. In fact, she didn't quit her job until Selma. So that really, yeah, that stood out to me because so many people are like, 
pursue your dreams and forget the men yeah. and go after what you're passionate about. But like that level of realism and just showing that you can balance both and you can make that yeah, day job an pragmatic. investor in your dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. With an action plan and kind of do things the way you need to. Um, and also the fact that like Selma was a couple years ago. So, you know, she's she's older. And I think we talked about this earlier. A lot of times we think like you want to see that success in a year or two years yeah. or five years. But sometimes it takes 10. Right. Sometimes it takes 20. <laughs> That's so. real. And if you pay attention, like a lot of these people, because you know black don't crack. So you get, mm. you think that a lot of these people are so young and like yes. they're in their 30s, like sometimes 40s, like yes. just like getting their break or like blowing exactly. up. The glow up is real. Like, it is. Hang in there. It is. So you are hired. Come on over to the money team, girl. I love you so much. Joy, thank you for joining me on the path. Courtney, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for showing up. Great episode. Yes. I hope you guys, you know, could have some takeaways. I think we're all we're all in it together. We like, are. We're just trying to get through. We are. We're right alongside y'all. So thank y'all for listening. If you are in the Philadelphia area, I will be speaking at the Young Professionals Brunch Series at Temple University on Love. September 10th. We're going to be talking about slaying your interview. So if you're interested in attending and can make it, cop your ticks at typbrunchseries.com. Yes. And if you love the show, tell us. Tell the people Please you love do. that you love them. Rate us yes. on iTunes. That really helps us kind of spread the show to new people. Exactly. And just kind of, you know, warms our hearts. It's all about being in it together. <laughs> yes. So we, we love that. And if you want more, you can always connect with us around the web at Joblogs. Check out joblogs.com, amazing content, resources, information to help you on your professional journey. You can always also directly connect with Courtney or I. I'm mm-hmm. Hey Miss Parker. And I'm Cleve Out Loud. See ya. See ya. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.